Chapter Two of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. February in Broadland. At dusk steers homeward with a plenteous freight. The crazy vessel groans beneath the weight. A tidy housewife waits his coming home, gets dry apparel and cleans up her room and spreads a homely plenty o'er his board from life of a fenman seventeen seventy one the countryside has assumed a bleak and dreary aspect the snows of january have given way before the drizzly rainfall as our train rattles along through the barren fields which lie on either side our route and spread away to the distant woodland or are lost in the horizon we cannot fail to notice the barrenness which characterises the environs of broadland in the month of february fieldike here and there farmer giles or his neighbours have fastened an unwilling team to the plough for it is time the peas and beans were sown the horses are somewhat restive their spell of idleness that has made them impatient of restraint is ended and hard work lies before them contented hodge has been dressing and repairing the hedges and lopping the willows and poplars their shorn limbs lie alongside the hawthorns in one field a number of graceful white birds are eagerly following the plough we have time just sufficient to identify them as the train shoots into and through a belt of fir trees and the little broadland station looms into view they are sea birds and none other than the black-headed gulls larus ridibundus whose nests will be found in the early summer upon the swampy rons that margin some of the broads food has been scarce of late and a meal of fat red earthworms becomes a feast as well as a luxury we have travelled in pleasant company a brace of well-clad fishermen armed with the insignia of their craft are bent on trying the case of angler versus esox lucius for the freshwater shark of our reedy lagoons has yielded to the cravings of hunger and come out from his lair in the reed bed in search of small fry for breakfast as we trudge along by the naked hedgerows there is no lack of pleasant chat the broadland angler is more than half a naturalist and there is much that calls for remark when more than one pair of eyes are keenly alert to the sights and sounds which continuously present themselves even at so gloomy a season greenfinches in small flocks fly hurriedly overhead whistling noisy protests against meddlesome husbandmen whose radish beds they have been too busily gleaning in a couple of red-faced goldfinches are tamely pecking at an almost seedless thistle tuft 
we pass them at very close quarters who but the heartless bird-catcher could begrudge them their freedom he is as sorry as we are at their perceptible decrease in the country but his is a fox's grief we'll bid you good day for the present is the parting salute of one of our impatient friends you can mardle with the cadders and ring doors bore but we hain't got no time to dawdle so we'll just gear the seal of the day and be a movin jibes in angler number two with a merry laugh as he good-temperedly wraps up his impatience in a bit of broad norfolk lingo left to ourselves we saunter on yet more leisurely so many interesting tit-bits are turning up on every side now we peer through the hedge at some starlings foraging upon a manure-strewn field what can it be that so absorbs their attentions we clamber over the rickety gate to satisfy our curiosity scattering the much surprised squabblers who make for the nearest trees to watch our strange procedure and await our departure we find quite a host of brandlings which unsavoury though they be have gladly been found by the speckled stairs the earthworms have become cognisant of the slight change in the atmosphere and are working upwards the moles have followed them and are making the path-side hillocky with their landmarks some remnants of snow soiled and melting lie piled beneath the hedgerow where the rough winds but recently drifted it a pale yellow primrose has ventured to open its delicate petals and close beside it the young leaves of the coltsfoot appearing above the withered grass bents that the rains and snows of winter have levelled the hazel on our right is already pushing its catkins out from their winter hiding-places the loud retort of a gun in an adjacent market garden startles us as it does a number of little birds that dash over the hedge in precipitate flight one of them vainly striving to keep up with the others staggers in its flight and falls to the earth which it reddens with its life's blood a slight flutter and the poor birdie is dead it is a bullfinch peering through the hawthorns we find the gardener picking up two or three other victims and apparently well satisfied with the accuracy of his aim blood ulf as the bird is named in norfolk is no favourite visitant to the orchard just now for the plum and cherry and even the gooseberry buds are set upon by those hard destructive mandibles they say the good he does in other seasons is counterbalanced by the mischief he commits in winter a statement that is very much open to question watch that grey bird with black wings and tail and a dash of sable hue beneath the eyes but he is watching us and takes to wing disappearing in the orchard it is a great grey shrike or butcher bird lanius excubita the sentinel butcher 
as his latin cognomen denotes is expressive of his habits and his occupation here is a poor little wren he has impaled upon a thorn we have disturbed him at his repast hearken to the tapping of the woodpecker but we may not loiter to discover him the rooks cawing noisily overhead are evidently commencing nesting operations what an uproar to be sure the redwings and fieldfares busy still among the hawthorns and their cousins the blackbirds and thrushes amongst the roots below are passed unheeded by as are the missile thrushes already nest-building in the topmost branches of an old pear-tree we loiter just a moment when passing a keeper's lodge with its interesting surroundings yon outhouse door is his museum on it are nailed many a real and supposed foe and depredator from the marauding tabby-cat to the harmless kestrel at whose hands or rather claws and mandibles his precious pheasants may or may not have suffered surely those barn owls could never have conceived a thought of molestation the rats on which with field mice they almost exclusively preyed have done more to merit vengeance than all the victims hung beside the really useful night-birds the marsh harrier circus aeruginosus preferring vermin to all else may have cast longing eyes upon the warren when hard pinched but the keeper imagined him dangerous to his interests and on the supposition condemned and executed him hither comes the gamekeeper a rather uncompromising-looking fellow with a ferret in each hand and a brace of vicious curs at his heels the rats have exhausted his patience they have been woefully on the increase and small wonder when their natural enemies have been so ruthlessly and stupidly destroyed here we are at length at the broad margin yonder are our angler friends busy it is evident our glasses revealing them tackling a reluctant pike close at hand are several ducks and swans probing the soft mud of the shallow deke or boat sluice that is connected with the broad they are seeking mollusca and edible roots the fenman has thrown in some maize of which they leisurely partake how broken and colourless the sedges and stubble of other broad plants and how bare are the straw-coloured reed stems of foliage what of it remains is sere and drooping we hear the calling of the moorhens and at the farthest extremity of the reed patch a dusky coot is cautiously paddling out into the open some wood pigeons fly overhead a flight of lapwings is discerned and a small flock or two of wildfowl are making large circles high in the air hard by lies an old wherry it has been heeled over by the boat builder to get at some faulty timbers beyond this characteristic craft of broadland waters 
is an old drainage mill close by which nestling among some willows is the fenman's cottage whither we are wending our footsteps a devious pathway flanked on either side by a narrow lane of water leads us to it let us step in for we are not strangers here the good old lady whose deafness is to blame for not answering to our knock bids us a cheery welcome she has just spread the table against the old man's homecoming jim trett's out hinder reed cutting says his loving spouse but he'll soon come in bor sit ye down for he's pretty regular to his miles bor i can tell ye whilst the good woman is finishing her preparations for the noonday meal we have a look round taking stock of the room and its contents the whitewashed walls are hung with several common prints of scriptural or sporting subjects a tiny looking-glass overtops the mantel in company with a faded sampler worked by the lady of the household when at school a couple of cheerful linnets hang on either side of the window in the tiniest of cages and beneath them are several geraniums struggling hard to brave the winter and so far they have been successful an aged cat upon the elbow of the old man's chair sits blinking at the fluttering birdies thinking no doubt of times gone by when she was wont to hunt their fellows a few oddments in the shape of wearing apparel lines a bird net and an ancient flintlock gun long past service complete the furniture in suspension with the exception of a quaint old timepiece that swings its bright brazen pendulum as methodically and untiringly as it did when the good old folks were novices at housekeeping fifty years ago three or four birch chairs a side table overcrowded with household treasures a dilapidated bureau that contains the rest with a study table creaking beneath the plentiful repast comprise the furniture of below stairs everything even the very brick floor is as clean as scouring soap and elbow grease can make it the old lady's snow-white cap encircles a face upon which simplicity and good nature are finely blended amid the wrinkles of advancing years we have no time for further survey ere a heavy footstep announces the arrival of jem the fenman who enters with scant ceremony his boat lies moored close by the house stacked with freshly cut reeds we are soon seated around the table quite at home and on the best of terms what pleasant gossip makes the meal a luxury of itself it is one for our viands are not unsavoury or badly brought to table who could say nay to a leg of plump wild rabbit snared in the little garden patch outside or to tender lapwing shot but the day before upon the marshes did we like a piece of boiled pike and potatoes or a plate of potted eels 
did we not and didn't we just enjoy a nice little cut from the wild goose's breast and that wind up with the richest of homemade bread with a bit of cheese such as you seldom find better out of the county rather but that goose it was a pink-footed fellow answer bracky reinkus so we told our host who not having shot the like before so he said had saved the feet for identification he was gormed like ham peggotty if he could spake them hard words at all and good eating the goose was too and the tea wasn't bad which washed down this strange broadland repast as for jim a huge dumpling packed full of starlings formed the principal item on his bill of fare and the old fellow with his tousled hair his unkempt beard and ruddy complexion appeared to thrive on his homely fare and his outdoor life in the strong pure air of east anglia and how does the fenman pass his time through each succeeding season let jim tell us for he has settled to his after-meal pipe and has waxed chatty and communicative as the smoke curls upward well you see it's like this boar there's allers suffin to do be the days long or short and be they hot or cold start from to-day if you like i'm sloggin hard in among the reeds just now and have been off and on since christmas when the weather ha let me what do they do with the reeds why use em for thatchin mostly years ago afore laths was riv and sold for plasterin we used to make a better figure on em than we do to-day lor times ain't no ways like as they was long years ago everything has changed and for the wuss at least for us fenmen we ain't fenmen now but simply labourers time was when we could get our livin and that's fifty year ago and more on and out of the broad alone there was allers suffin in the fishin or shootin line to do nowadays it's reed cuttin in winter mixin it off with a little eel pickin or eel spearin when the weather's open then comes ditchin and hedgin in june there's hazel or hay harvest for which we get pay accordin to day or acre or loads just as we agree for then there's gladdin cuttin for litter that's the rough marshy stuff mixed with young sedges reeds and so on later on comes harvest get that over and we go out of the eels again among which we sometimes do pretty good business babbin for em catchin em in bigger numbers as the time goes on in eel sets when they begin to run or make for the sea now and again a job's to be had a rowin gents out a pikin or helpin em in the warmer weather among the roach and bream takin all these things into consideration with catchin moles and havin an eye to the cattle on the marshes and another on the old pump mills 
time gets filled in all year round there's a pig in the sty to help with the rent eggs from the chickens ain't all loss and gathering mushrooms pays for backer this ain't bad backer you got here sir no how times is altered i was tellin you why when i were a boy and the broads were freer than they are to-day and there weren't no close seasons for birds and there was birds then let me tell you i ha known my father to kill twenty mallard and duck in a mornin there was ruffs and reeves as used to nest hereabouts these we snared and allers had a riddy market for em plover's eggs could be gathered by the peck that's all done with a hatful takes a mornin now to git where are the bards gone why there ain't the bards there was do it stand to reason there can be when in eighteen twenty one my dad took a hundred and sixty dozen eggs in one season and that was only a sample of plenty more these eggs let me tell you was reeves snipes peewits red legs or red shanks and a fair dose of coots and moorhens mixed in among em in course they killed the goose as lays the golden eggs so to speak but there ain't accommodation for the bards bore now if they'd come for everywhere's all drained and cultivated in winter my father could pretty well keep us with the fowl he knocked over with that old flintlock and the vegetables as he'd grown in the garden patch i get a few birds as you'll see but it's a sort of favour as i'm allowed to shoot for that sort of thing's done for pretty well among us fenfolk there's licences to git and the rich uns ha got it all their own way and on the broads the rights of owners so called are more enforced dinner over we make for the broad taking a peep at the outhouse on our way wherein are stored his various scythes his reed hooks traps and other implements herein the fowls all roost at night and drop in at leisure in the daytime as occasion for laying prompts them the pig hard by gives a squeal of recognition and the ferrets in the corner rattle at the wires for a rat for dinner we shove off from the little stave he to resume his business among the reeds our purpose being a row round upon the silent waters we leave him pushing his old punt into the crackling mass his hands encased in dannocks or leather gloves sickle in one and reed hook in the other with this latter instrument he brings to book the straggling stems we have a peep into the pikefisher's boat they have secured some half a dozen fish one huge fellow weighing at least a stone gulls are winging to and fro over the dark waters picking up here and there some defunct fish two are quarrelling over a dead eel that the recent frosts have killed a sclavonian grebe is dipping here and there in the now rippling waters 
for the winds are stirring and sending up the promise of more rain a flock of widgeon wheel round and round overhead and finally descend dashing themselves upon the surface with the impetuosity peculiar to the race but time is going and great raindrops are making concentric circles upon the broad we row for the fenman's cottage arriving at the mooring stage simultaneously with the good man himself a flock of lapwings are beating up against the wind within gunshot the old man snatches up his muzzle-loader which lies in the boat and brings down a trio of the unfortunate plovers after another cup of tea and another interesting chat we take our leave hoping to revisit broadland in the blustering month of march End of chapter two